2: plushcare.com slash loss
3: Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. I am here today with the founder of Club Verboten, Carl. We find out more about what made him decide to start a sex club together with his partner, what to think about before heading to the sex party, and what to expect. I am Amanda and this is Playful Podcast. I think I need to like ground myself a little. <laughs> I'm a little bit up <laughs> in my head today. It's been a hectic day. <laughs> a hectic day like You're doing mm, so well, do we? <laughs> Okay. Welcome to Berlin, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, you <laughs> arrived here not so long ago, right?
4: No, no. Still not fully. I think still going back and forth between the events. So yeah, wouldn't say we are Berliners yet.
3: <laughs> and then you lived in London for 15 years.
4: 15 years now, yeah.
3: Yeah, how is the sex club scene in London, and how has it changed? You'd say.
4: Um, I think Londoners are different in a sense, right? Like, there's if I look at the landscape now, there's more play, there's more complex play. Like, I think the situation has um, the environment has has involved to larger complexities, right? And that is super interesting to see now. And I think the community that we may have picked up many years ago, they outgrown us, right? I think they are now, they come up with ideas where I could never imagine back then. It's it's very it's very nice, right? And that, that I think that is different, right? Berlin is, Berlin understands to rave and celebrate really well. Um, London understands to play.
3: Mm, okay, and if you look at it like, Fifteen years ago until today, like how has it evolved? You'd say, like ex- besides <laughs> from that, that they are like growing <laughs> with knowledge. And
4: um, I gotta be careful what I say. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I mean, it was horrible to to me at least, right? But this is just my taste. Right? Mm-hmm. I think the um, the uh, narrative of, if you could call it, sex positive spaces or BDSM fetish clubs back back in the day, right, they, they cater for a certain storyline and a niche, and that wasn't mine, right? It was musically, it was very much in a psy y style, and um, it was very heteronormative in a way, and that was at least, you know, for myself, for my very own personal experience, and I think that made us want to explore this more and do something else.
3: Was there anything, like, also when it comes to the sex club scene, in London, that made you want to move to Berlin, you'd say, or
4: uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Berlin is a little bit our exile. You know, when you look at London has changed politically, and um, I think it was it was an intense ride for us, but also the sort of threat level that we encountered and the the chances of being closed down all the time made us personally move. We, we need a bit of a calm space for ourselves and we need a bit of an, a distance between the issues that we face there and you know encountering them from here put us in a stronger position mentally.
3: What are they threatening you about like how does it look in London like or England?
4: Um, so I think politically and, and mentally and from, from a law perspective, legal perspective, there is a lot more stigma, although right? these spaces existed for such a long time. But so far the authorities only dealt with turning blind eye. And with turning blind eye for decades, we increased the gap in between what we can talk about now and what's digestible and what's not. So we are now in a situation, although all these places existed for too long, if there is an incident, if there is something going wrong, the only response they have is shutting things down, right? And that's understandable, right? You have a nuclear reactor that goes off. Of course, the first thing would say, cool, let's close it down. It doesn't seem safe. We have nuclear reactors. They're still working. They're still up and running, (laughs) regardless what I think of it, right? And that is an issue.
3: Do you feel that, like, I'm thinking, like, everything is, it's always hard to reach out when it comes to sex. Like, maybe it's so (laughs) social media, like we're all aware of, and these things, do you feel that you're targeted a bit? Because of this? Mm.
4: Yes and no. I mean, <clears throat> you hit so many closed doors, right? You you start to wonder, like, what is going on? I mean, we you know, we we dealt with various authorities and boroughs and, you know, you get your 15th re- rejection and not just rejection, also sometimes, you know, that countered together with a, you know, the, I think the big point was this 6 months prison sentence that I waved in my face if I would ever dare to come back. You tend to think, okay, what's going on here? Is that us? Is that, you know, what is the issue here? Because you have a gambling hall that is open 24 7 next to it, right? That's also an apparent social issue that we're dealing with. So, how can they exist and not us, right? Um, But then, taking these authorities apart, you find people that are just very pragmatic um, and just follow their very little horizon. But um, as a whole, right, this little horizon kind of, Multiplied by all these instances, shapes into this very sharp knife that just graves into your heart when you're trying to do something you care about. So, yeah, I feel targeted.
3: <laughs> yeah. Did you yourself like how long has Club Verboten existed? It's
4: 2016. 2016, wow. yeah. I'm so going it's going to a sixth birthday now.
3: Exciting. Yeah. Wow. So hopefully, we're allowed to do it. <laughs> what day, what uh, month?
4: it would be september
3: september okay yeah. fingers crossed when like when did you experience your first sex party
4: oh that's a long time ago uh 20 years maybe was so i even
3: 18 <laughs> somewhere in germany Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right do you want to mention where no. and when no it's something <laughs> yeah. very underground i guess Then. yeah okay how was your experience there
4: it's different i mean it's more frightening than everything right and um maybe that's also missing these days i mean now we we managed to tint all, everything in pastel tones which is great but um i also think there is a time to make bdsm a little more frightening again <laughs> <You know? laughs> with a more contemporary means <laughs> yeah i would be I would be looking forward to that
3: right did you but the whole vibe you get i mean since you started your own space, there must have been some thoughts where you were like, this is freaking exciting. This is giving me life. This is giving me, like you feel passionate about opening up the doors for other people, I guess, in a new way.
4: Yeah, it, it moves, I guess, to the next stage. I mean, I couldn't say this for myself, right? Like, I mean, you what we realized very early is that all this comes with a lot of responsibility and we gave up on that. Very quickly, so and our you know own feelings and emotions around it. So, I, for example, I probably the only person that attended every event and never played there at once. So, you think of yourself as a pervert, and you think of catering for these things. And you know, you have people that come to you and say, "Oh, this is amazing, and this opened a whole new world for me, and all this." And like, yeah, did for you, for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know. I just, I'm just a facilitator now, right? I got to make sure that everyone is safe and that things remain safe, whatever that safe is these days, heavy deba- debated world, right? Um, but yeah, you 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 move on to another stage, right? You just got to accept that.
3: Do you miss going to party and play yourself?
4: Uh yeah, I don't know. You I mean it becomes a sort of it becomes a new norm for you, you right? So so what what would that party what would it be? Um so I mean you've seen so much, right? You're kind of looking for something. <laughs> that is a bit more challenging again. And um for example, there is this basement in Dalston on Kingsland Road. Um, you gotta find out yourself where it is. There's this door that you can knock every Sunday morning and it would open a slot and what are you here for? And you're like, Well basement club. Like, okay, come in. 20 bucks. <laughs> and it's like this super crazy place, operated for 20 years. No license. Someone's gonna hate me for this now. No license off the radar. Like, even even all the, the equipment, like the, the stereo behind the bar and everything kind of indicates, okay, nothing in here has seen daylight for 20 years, mate. Right? It's just stopped in time. And there is this, like, lap dancing pole that's somehow blue tagged into the wall and you have this fire exit that's blocked by this disco ball and, like, nothing in there makes sense, right? Nothing. There's no match between any of the objects nor the people that go there. And I think (laughs) that place still offers this sense of anxiety, right, when you approach the door. And that is obviously something that you as a promoter or someone that almost starts to live in those spaces you lose over time, right? And I think that is what you would look for.
3: But this place kept, like, the same? It's still there. Yeah. That's crazy. People are always complaining about things changing and becoming worse and worse and worse. I know we had a, a conversation about this before, not about sex clubs, but yeah. about many other things. But, yeah, when you come to a place with new eyes, you think that's, like, you know, that that's... it. If it's opening your eyes, it's opening your up your eyes, right? So
4: oh yeah. I mean it's you know, it's never been good, so it's kind of maintained it's a <laughs> crazy level. <What>? Um <gasps> but it's good in a way because it gets you thinking, right? And like anything that disturbs you a little bit, anything that puts you out of your comfort zone gets you thinking, right? So that would be a, a way of getting inspired in a way, right? And coming back to okay, how can we translate this scareness, this anxiety into a space that is perhaps a bit more open a bit more welcoming and a bit more no I'm not going to use that word um, yeah and that is a big question
3: okay but go to go back a little bit like when you started the club how was like what were there your friends coming to the club or like how did that look like
4: no it was different back then I mean, I <coughs> I remember <laughs> half of my friends giving up on me, like uh, giving
3: up on you, like oh yeah, they yeah. were yeah, thought you, you were a pervert and they didn't want oh to yeah, have anything on. to do with you. 2016,
4: oh, okay. that was a different landscape. Uh, you know, people would definitely, okay, good luck. You know, delete your number very really quick. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was different. It's very different. You know, in particular, in London. Um, yeah, and, you know, it wasn't, uh, was not was per- not perceived as a good move at all. No, and there was much more resistance, in a sense.
3: All right. Yeah, but I guess this, like, I mean, it's the same, I guess, for us having Playful. Like, my many of my friends, close and more distant ones, are, like, they assume that me and Philip are going to dungeons, like, Every second day, <laughs> you know, being spanked by some big bouncy <laughs> beasts, you know, it's great, because right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love our life. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like, it's just so it's I for me, at least you say it was different back then. Playful started in 2019. And I feel that at least for us, I feel that we are sometimes they're touching on that as well that people have some opinions and thoughts about who you are and like oh I didn't know that Amanda was into that stuff you know when they assume things about you whether it's true or not it's just so much assumptions the moment you speak about sex and and even come close to the subjects of BDSM cursed <laughs> right yeah. but yeah anyways started talking about the, the, the starting point of Club Verboten, how was the first opening night? <laughs> it was different. <laughs> it was what?
4: It was different. I mean, oh. you know, the first night started with 75 people you know, in some warehouse in East London and <laughs> it was...
3: That's uh, pretty it was good, 75 an- anyway, well, for the first day, Yeah, isn't it? I
4: mean, pff, who thought about numbers back then, you know? If, y-
3: if yes. it's none of them were your friends either, <laughs> how, no, how did you no, find no. them?
4: Some random strangers of the internet, you know? Did you Just hand like out
3: flyers? Oh yeah,
4: the whole thing. And the people would throw it on the floor like, no, I'm not gonna go there. I just go to the big <laughs> you know, yeah. Tesco brand. Yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah, but it was great, right? It was, it was real, it was raw, it was it's good, very impersonal. It was good.
3: You were proud after the first day, like we made it. <laughs>
4: no, I mean I <laughs> I don't think I take any of this serious enough <laughs> No, to no?
3: be proud of it. No. You never done? No. But it's your full-time... It's what you do now, right?
4: Someone has to do it, yeah.
3: (laughs) Someone (laughs) has to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Cool. Um, Like, what were your different roles than you and Honey?
4: I mean... I think now we... The the job that we're doing now didn't exist back then. Mm. We pretty much created that for ourselves. And now you scale that up, you know, went with over a thousand people, there's, by default, there is so much trouble. There is so much drama. There's so many emotions involved. And, you know, although we grow so many for uh, us important friendships out of this space, we barely have time you know, to, to spend time with the people that we care most about. We, we spend a lot of time with the people that are so demanding to us that um, they eat up all the night, right? So um, I think back then it was just a party for ourselves as well. And now we're a bit of the medic, we're a bit of the um, the vulnerability team, we're a bit of the caretaker, we're a bit of the bouncer at the door. And uh, it's really, really stressful. Do
3: <laughs> you need a <some>, uh, vacation?
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, overdue. I haven't done one mm. in a year. In a year? No. Not one, no. No vacation. We work every day. So even... That's I,
3: I mean, that's passion. It must be. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep going. Like yeah, it's FOMO. <laughs> it's FOMO <laughs> it's and fu- FIO and everything. <laughs> Would you say you're a uh, like party person? Like,
4: uh, Yeah, yeah.
3: You have always at least felt that you don't want to miss a party.
4: Yeah. A good party, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sadly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <means> in, in <laughs> <Exactly. almost. laughs>
3: if you'd mentioned three clubs in the world that has yeah. like inspired you to create something that is really good, what would that be? It could also be like a freaking carnival or you know, whatever. But just like this place and this the experience I got from this is something I wanna keep or build on. No. No? No. You you just
4: no. I know I, I, sep- I separate them. Like mm. there's this there's places that mean something to myself, but then there's also um, there's things that come out so it, from the inside of you, and you you know want to shape and move them, and you want to p- kind of rethink things, and you don't want to adapt, and you don't want to be guided by something that you already appreciate. So that is always that's always the greatest ambition, right? Like how how do you not be influenced? How do you create something that comes from inside, and that is what you really want to do? You know, mm. and that's something that you translated somehow.
3: Mm, okay, so skip the parties but some bullet bullet points that you felt like it's gonna be this, this and this.
4: The yeah, space no. I'm creating.
3: No. Not even that. No, no. Hmm, because th- I mean to me what you have is very focused on a sex party. There are the play the the playgrounds and there's also a very strong awareness team and keeping it safe. Right? i mean there must have been but maybe it's not coming from you <laughs> I, th- I think it's
4: <clears throat> you move like uh occasion by occasion like there is there's definitely a a scene a moment an incident even a persona or something that that gets you thinking to the next event and from there you reshape you move things around and that definitely exists and and that, that, is, that is the most important model you know there's There's definitely people they probably wouldn't even know, but they've been most inspiring, right? They've been through their journey from this event and transforming. They've been at the very core of how we shape the next event.
3: Mm -hmm. But if you compare London as a city, like London and Berlin with each other, Mm -hmm. what would you say? How do they differ?
4: So I think from what I've seen, right, and I can only speak from the position as Carl, but I can speak from my position as the bystander, as the observer that goes out alone, right, which I do a lot Mm. to new places and just stand there and observe, right, from what I've noticed is that Berlin understands to rave a lot, long hours in bikini tops. London learned to be sober and... Develop complex interactions; they're very, very temporary, right? And uh, I think that, from a mental perspective, is more challenging. And we want to provide more for that. Whether Berlin wants that, I don't know. I also don't care. Like this is what we want to do, right? Um, and I think that is in the core. That is still the difference for me. At the same time, right? There is this there's this admiration and, and love for Berlin because I can very much appreciate people I can very much appreciate all these other places so you know whenever we say oh that, that's what I feel is the difference uh, it's not talking down right it's just how we feel about it and that and that's what we spot and and there's this again a very inner need to cater for this right so I think with us coming here we're, we're not intending to be in our rave we're we're intending to cater for complex scenarios and play. And for anyone that's been through all these other stages and is just looking for something that is perhaps a bit more intense experience, so anything that is more than just a headache from the cheap booze.
3: All right. And if someone is listening to this and hasn't experienced sex clubs before but is curious to do so, is there something that you... Would suggest them um, to think about before heading there
4: pace yourselves i think that's that's the most important you know um i think i see over time i saw so many people that essentially good people but perhaps they miss into misreading the room right i mean of course you get dumped in this huge environment and you see so much sex happening and play happening everywhere and of course, it's quite easy to assume that with you being there, you're already part of that, and you just have to tap on someone's shoulder. <laughs> but I think there is so much more to gain just to take time, take time, and take an example. I never played that event, and I'm still alive, right? <laughs> like I haven't busted yet, so it's possible. Just take your time, um, read the room, you know, come back another time, um, develop. With that environment, that's really important. Um,
3: yeah, and as I talked a little bit about, you have very, a very strong awareness team, which is something I feel that in Berlin maybe we're, we're reaching towards right now. But it, at least where at, at the parties I've been to, it hasn't been super clear before, but. Um, And it's definitely hasn't been as clear as in your parties. And you have the rules very clearly on the doors or on monitors. And it's like, like behave (laughs) kind of follow our guidelines or, or you're out. Um, was that a little bit of trial and error or.
4: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, we. None of these things developed because we woke up one morning and said, oh, we have to be now really forceful on this and we have to destroy someone's life by kicking them out. No, we we were forced to act up on things that happened at the event. You know? So we were also very naive in the beginning, right? We are thinking of all these free spaces and how liberated we can be and how we all can express each, each other. But the reality, if you operate on a monthly basis, is that sexual harassment happens, Right. It may not be apparent, um, it may be a l- less than in sort of the general vanilla nightlife culture, but it happens, right? And when it happens, then it's emotionally demanding and you you cannot take it back. There's no such a thing as handing out a plaster, right? Like you can n- not undo this, right? So that always motivated us to, to try anything we can. And sometimes, you know, we... There were collaterals, sometimes we we did things, we're like, ooh, maybe that's a bit too much. But in the end of the day, for trying, we always managed to bring numbers generally down. And that regardless of, you know, what maybe a negative social media post was about us at the time, we moved on, we kept those things and we stuck it through and, you know, I have to say, you, you want an octococktail around the room? You can do that pretty much anywhere, right? That's No one's taking anything away from some straight man that thinks, oh, but I can't walk around and wank in someone's face anymore. Who cares? You can do this still everywhere. So you just can't do it here, right? So we're not taking any liberties. Not everywhere. <laughs> <potentially>, <laughs> right? But um, what we learned is that, and that is also coming through the pressure of the authorities in London, we had to start think and work proactively. So we transformed from being there for a potential victim towards, okay, how can we develop tactics around not letting it come to this place in the first instance? And of course, there will never be a 100% margin, but uh, I think we became, and this is early stages, quite successful in spotting potential rape scenes, spotting potential sexual assaults, And stepping in and having conversations and escalating things further if we really have to. And it takes a bit of being brave. It also takes getting a lot of shit, right? Because you kick someone out. And of course, the situation hasn't happened, right? So someone, of course, will use all kinds of weaponry and arsenal available to tag you with whatever tagline. But I prefer this much more than sitting down with a victim of a sexual assault on a Monday morning in tears and i've seen a lot of them
3: is it like an own developed like way of targeting these people or is how do you spot them like do you have is it by experience you feel that you know this is a person i need to keep an extra eye on this person that is
4: obviously what they would say right and they would say oh you only target me because my dick is hanging out or just an example right but uh, if you if you spend six years, you know, a couple of days a month, eight hours, ten hours in this environment, you see certain movements, scenarios always repeat, right? These are the ones that we can act on. the ones that are known repetitive little Ponzi schemes. and these are the only ones we can address, right. Everything else, of course, right would be judgmental or would bring unconscious biases, for example, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. but the ones that we can um, gr- put our attention to, and put into a lecture and things that we can teach our safeguarding teams, of course, you know, and there would be, for example, we would be cautious about aggressive cruising, right? So if someone goes up and down the aisle with their little pedal in their hand and spanking in their own hand and looking left and right, the person passed you the 20th time, of course, you would go and have a chat with them and find out, is this just, the you know, what we mentioned earlier, the very innocent, naive and maybe newbie-ish kind of person that just doesn't know any better, Right, um, then it's potentially a friendly reminder. Or if it's Lord Dickhead that um, just wouldn't accept the feedback, then of course they have to go and they can't ever come back, you know, and we're very, very firm on that. Um, or whether it is classical example, right? This is one you see so many times. Um, you have two people walking into a playroom. There's a spanking bench, person A bends sp- person B down, right? And where, where this one person gets spanked, we already sense, okay, so they walked in, bent over immediately. We haven't seen any chat, any conversation. Perhaps it happened outside that space, which it should. Okay, let's monitor it. But then while that person is being spanked, you have the other person behind them between each spank, casually, putting in these little moves of undoing the belt, undoing a sip, getting a cookout, starting to masturbate, and there's still no conversation happening, right? So that would be a clear red flag. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, these red flags because we don't know what the future might bring right? in this occasion, that would be an ejection and ban from the space, 100%. Um,
3: one thing I always wondered about, as I don't work in uh, clubs and such, is that h- when you ban people, do you take a photo of them? <laughs> Maybe it's a stupid question, or well, how do you know?
4: Oh, oh, how oh, can you... <laughs> don't sue me for saying this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a sensitive one. You know, per- perpetrators also have rights, you know, and they love to make use of it. And they do, you know. And this is what also gets clubs shut down. You know, there's there's a lot of very, very entitled people down out there that would completely ignore the pre-story or how it led up to this ejection or how it led up to creating this entry on a band list. And they would fight for their lives of being right in their position. And they usually like the, you know. Uh, investment bankers and <laughs> oh, I am the lawyer there, there I'm there, there and they would use all those apparent powers to yeah cause a lot of trouble for you and we've been through those processes. Yeah. so, so I'm not no going photos. to answer the question. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
3: You're very political <laughs> <laughs> Have you done a lot of interviews?
4: No. <laughs> Why should I? <laughs> how
3: are you my sex I don't know. There was a joke. <laughs> but you were you're you know how to um yeah okay but let's move on to the dress code because this is something (laughs) that is maybe a little easier because i know you're very you you're very like uh transparent about dress codes um there's many things i think about here but first if you haven't been to a sex club how should you think
4: Mm. i think put dress code first you know, this is this is just ultimately so important. And of course, you know, there's voices, oh yeah, but I don't want to spend the money and this is it's none about that, right? Checking a dress code allows us, right? Us as people that seen so many people, process, so many people this was over so many years, right? We're able to shape also, you know, caused by our biases and so on, shape a, a picture. We're able to understand if you put thought process into this night beyond your outfit, and I think that is the key, right? Um, of course, you know, we, we cater for rope people, fetish people, B- B- BDSM people, uh, swingers, and so on, right? Of course, there's not to all these things a materialized dress code to it, right? I happen to be a fetishist, so of course that's important to me, right? And I will always be embedded somehow in this event, but um, I think there's also, yeah, that's for the newbie now, um, get a good outfit, right? People want to make contact with you. They will probably approach you and talk about your outfit, right? So,
3: just make really the That's really good. That's like note taker. <laughs> but no. it's true. Like if you if you're if you're there also to make connections, wear something a little bit extra, and it's it's such a good hook. Yeah. Smart I like that.
4: Yeah, uh, it helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It> helps. <laughs> you no.
3: Know?
4: and you get in, which is another benefit. <laughs>
3: yeah speaking of like um why do you have the dress code <laughs> <laughs> no i that was too basic I, yeah. I you know where i'm gonna go with this yeah.
4: yeah i think that there's so many reasons right so a it helps us to uh avoid bypassers passers and standers right from the street to walk in we, we only want to care for this community so keeping intruders in that sense right someone that just walked through the wrong door out is very important um, the other side, like I said, right, it's very important that we see someone put a thought process in. right? If they've read the guidelines on the dress code, perhaps they also read the rules. You know, This really helps. And then, you know, it also, it, I, I think saying it helps to create this environment is re- really mildly, mildly expressed, but I put it, let's put it in as a scenario. You wear latex, you walk through a dance floor, with a busy dance floor with a lot of people wearing latex, you get stuck to them. Right? like there's these little moments of <laughs> I, you know when you get stuck to someone <laughs> isn't that great I mean you know and then people really still these days they're like oh, oh why do we have to dress up because where else do you have this experience right this is, this is what you want this is part of it mm. so uh, let's enjoy it for a little bit while we can
3: <laughs> yeah and I mean in some places you are the weirdo if you're fully dressed in latex here you're <laughs> definitely the weirdo if you're like yes <laughs> Dressed in a everyday <laughs> suit or whatever.
4: Oh yeah, there's there's nothing worse than suits. <laughs> Topless straight men with chino pants. Um, oh yeah, that's doesn't appeal to you. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, no. what's the difference from being like a football hooligan, you know, down the road in a pub? They look exactly the same. Like, there's no difference. Like to me, that's like, mm-hmm. I couldn't say is that now a threat level to myself because I definitely disagree with the football hooligan pub down the road. Or just someone that was like, yeah, but I'm a swinger. I can wear chino pants and stripy socks, you know.
1: No.
3: <laughs> yeah. So now you're in Berlin and you had two parties here mm-hmm. already. Third one coming up. Do we have a date?
4: Yeah. So we're on the Beer pencils series now, which happens once a month uh, at some particular Friday. First one this Friday. Um, and that's a bit of a highlight. Like I, I remember, like a year ago, we were thinking about Berlin, and then we're googling Berlin venue, and this thing came up. <laughs> and we're, anyways, in that type of architecture. I'm like, oh, that would be a dream. I oh, don't no, no. And I remember telling myself, let's just skip it. It's not going to happen anyway. So I didn't even pay attention, right, to the thought. And then someone just mildly suggested while walking past, oh yeah, yeah, we can do something at the beer pins. <laughs> we're
3: like, wow, <laughs> you know.
4: So i'm super excited about it
3: and uh, do you feel that you're getting into the berlin do you feel that you're bringing in london to berlin or do you feel that you're getting integrated in the berlin or
4: yeah i i I prefer the exchange side of it we're definitely never going to be part of anyone's gang, (laughs) like that's for sure (laughs) you know with like the highest respect but um uh and the most love for anything else out there but uh I think right now the most interesting part is that there is such a strong community in London. And at the same time, you know, Germany is kind of our home. So being able to bring that together, right, and being able to be that facilitator there that says, hey, have you met my friend from London? And there is so great, Mm -hmm. right? In particular in current times, as like all the the borders seem to, you know, get reinforced towards the West and the East again, to be able to do that is really nice.
3: Cool, and both you and Honey are from Germany. Yep, different parts, but um, what makes you feel at home in Berlin, or feel like okay, this is this is the place, this is the city for me right now?
4: Um, I mean, L- Londoners have been always super welcoming towards us, always, you know? and uh, and allowing us to like flourish there and land there was great. But um, not that we ever noticed when we were in London, but coming back to Germany, you realize that like all your linguistic capabilities are at a level of a 12th grader, right? Like, this is just there. That's your horizon. That's all you can express. Like, coming back to Germany, it's a whole other thing. All these tiny little expressions. And it's not that I ever missed it. I didn't know that I, that I needed it in my life. I didn't know that I missed it. But coming back and... Feeling that, like experiencing that, is great. You no, know? so it's um, yeah. Now, now we want to stay. Suddenly,
3: <laughs> cool. Okay, so there's yeah. I guess there's some things that you like that feels like home for you. That is not even easy to speak about. Like yes, the Kurveurst. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Oh God.
4: <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. There's the language. There's the food. Mm. But there's also. Like, I mean it's always this question, what inspires you? What what and it inspires in a way of what makes you enjoy waking up and you know, wanting to go outside, outside mm-hmm. your trusted walls of your home, right? And in Berlin, for example, it's the landscape, it's the architecture. And like in London, sadly, everything either looks like a bank or a Victorian building. And these are just times they don't exist in my memories, right? Because I didn't grow up there. And I also don't want them to exist in my future, so they don't expire me. They don't motivate me to leave house. We're here every day, and it doesn't doesn't really matter. I could live in any part of Berlin. Really doesn't matter for me right now. It's just nice to get out of the house and walk around. Like oh look at this, and this is great. And and is, you know, New prevents inputs. your yeah yeah prevents sort of cells up there just to go stale and numb.
3: One thing I thought about is also, like, we talked a little bit before about attracting a crowd to the party, and you, you mentioned that it can sometimes, like, it can, like, you need to find your crew, or, like, the you need to brand yourself in a way that attracts the right kind of people, I guess. In, in how can you, like, how can you make a sex... Party more inclusive for queer people and uh, and not only attract. I mean, fifty, sixty-year-old straight couples.
4: <laughs> Are you ageist?
3: <laughs> no, at all. But if it's only that, it turns into the <laughs> oh, swingers joke. club bubble bath, maybe. <laughs>
4: I, I've been sued at the moment for being apparently ageist in London. Yeah, this one is for you, Paul Dick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Paul <Fuck> you, you. <laughs> watch out, Paul.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is Ah, uh, that's such a such a big question, you know. There's it's always you can never satisfy them all. There will always be an an opposite opinion to that. Regardless of what I say, there will always someone be like oh, no, they rejected me at the door for this and this. And that. Well, if you think so, perhaps, right? If you want to, this is the, the story you want to give to yourself and mm. store on your memory, then perhaps, right, it becomes reality. But ultimately, look, we all know what we're talking about, right? The most incidents is the most, and this is all we can care about, right, as a space facilitator, the most problems sadly arise with straight men. So of course, right? We have to we have to when we think as a community, right, and want to create a space that can resonate for everyone equally, and where we want to feel equal, we have to take into into considerations everyone's background, preferences, orientation, and so on. Right? With the uh, I need I need to think about this. <laughs> this yeah, is, this is like. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of topic right um, because it's so debated for us we never we never publicly identified you know we, we never we never said look we're this club or that club we will never do so mm-hmm. and because the time we opened in London it was a different time communities were extremely segregated right you had your gay clubs in Vauxhall and you had all your straight clubs in Hackney for example and that was it we didn't came with a master plan, but I think over time we our community demanded all these things and we have evolved with them. They matured us, not us. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. have acted up on that. And so we continue to do, right? With ever new challenges, there there will be and there will be some because we're dealing with humans and they're complex, right? And they evolve and they change. Mm. Um but ultimately that's the answer to the question. Mm.
3: <laughs> Give and take. Yeah. A little bit, I guess. Let's see if you answered this one. But what, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, what do you think Berlin is missing that Club Verboten is bringing to the city?
4: Good question.
3: Because there are so many sex parties here in in I don't know yeah. there probably are a lot in in London as well, but maybe, like, maybe not as openly. I guess. Like, there are many underground yeah. clubs, but here they are overground.
4: <laughs> Perhaps a space you can indulge into piss play, licking piss off a floor without getting a taste of peppy. Like I mean, <laughs> no. I think, uh, you know, we, we're doing our best to go in sort of more remote locations and we're aiming to build spaces that are modern, right? We, we kind of like sterile stuff and... um when it comes to play, and uh, mm. I think most club landscapes are not that, and it shouldn't be that, right? Um, but we're also not a club, we're not a rave in that sense, right? We're, we're space that caters, I think, at least surface-wise for play, and that is different, you know? We're probably your your two-room BDSM studio on 350 square meters. Like That is, that is the difference, you know? We... We think about the complexity of play and the multipurpose use of a piece of equipment and furniture upscaled for a thousand people, and I haven't haven't seen it anywhere else. And it's also, you know, okay. Here's Carl, having a degree in music and uh, <laughs> you know booking artists and putting on raves and here and there, but all we think about is play. All we think about is sex, and it very. The very forefront of those spaces that we build everything else is secondary it's it's auxiliary to the rest right it's yeah the second place almost you know and that is different it's very different
3: Mm. you didn't want to mention a lot of sex parties you've been at but are there some you tried out like are there some you have tried out and wanna lift in some way
4: they're all lifted already and they're all great do they meet me to say that
3: <laughs> now you get your pay 20 euros <laughs> sponsored by <laughs> no I'm just kidding no no uh, no you don't have you, to
4: no it's my personal life like there is sort of this is the places I go to and appreciate for going there mm. right uh, of ours and they should remain that right there's theres some there's some parties and places where I'm glad they are exactly that, and then there's Forboden. And for this idea, of forbidden, we just try our hardest not to look left and right. Right? We, we try our hardest not to get an inspiration anywhere else because you know this. You see something, you're like, oh, this is so great, and I like it so much. And and um, we just try not to get distracted from our own thoughts.
3: Mm. Okay, I haven't thought about it before, but club verboten, it's. Uh, German name, of course, but how, how did it, like, <laughs> how did the the Brits think about the name? <laughs> they well, can't pronounce they it. They can't right? <laughs> no,
4: I mean, <laughs> so we came up with the name, right? It was obviously in our minds at the time. There was everything was forbidden in the UK. Everything was so strict compared to Berlin at the time, right? What year? Two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You you go in a club you go to a club and you take a shit and suddenly you hear this rattling on this cubicle and think, Oh my god, an earthquake and like no, it's a bouncer trying to climb over it to blind you with a torch. And you sit there, pants what are you doing? What are you doing there? I'm having a shit. What are you doing? Right? It's it was insane at times. So you know, forboden was at a time, the the name, this antidote, you know, This silent resistance towards that I mean how little did we know that we at the end became forbidden (laughs) you know a few months back in a certain borough in London where they just cancelled us So (laughs) it's like in the name now but um, yeah we had more complicated names we had a little play party was called the Unbekannte which
3: like the unknown yeah Yeah. you know the term the Unbekannte yeah well I get it kind of that's cool yeah It's it's a old prison
4: term you, when you sit on your hand, right, until uh-huh. it until it gets numb, and,
3: uh-huh. then, you, and then you jerk okay. off,
4: it feels like someone else is doing
3: this. People <laughs> say that, but then when I ask people about it, they are like, nah.
4: You have to at least try it once. Come on.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's too I, I tempting. Guess, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I guess people try this when they're like 12.
4: Yeah, also besides oh. trying the Hoover, you know, you get sucked off,
3: of course. Why not? <laughs> oh,
4: the
3: Hoover, really? Is that a thing? Yeah, you got to try it once. It's like... Uh. In some like American pie, I think yeah. they do it. Okay. Yeah. So, th- did you try the pie also? No. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> <Liar>. not pie. <into laughs> I'm not into pie. <laughs> <laughs> I probably tried
4: the Trackerfotze. You know, Trackerfotze? No. So, Trackerfotze is, it's Trackerkant, right? It's um, when you take a flask and you stuff it with uh, minced meat, hot minced meat.
3: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah.
4: It's a bit more practical, it's less messy. Ah, it's very yeah. German in a way. Like a
3: flesh mold. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have the, they have these
4: like factory made ones now they took yeah, the exactly. inspiration it was that
3: your one. idea that's a classic it's a classic <laughs> okay.
4: it's there's no patent on it everyone can do it
3: <laughs> great tip <laughs> for the ones who don't dare go into the sex shops exactly <laughs> I'm your host, Amanda, and you're listening to Playful Podcast. If you like what we do and want to support us, as well as get some extra perks, such as access to all episodes before everyone else, and a lot of extra material that will never be released on the main channel, go to patreon.com playfulmagazine. Okay, now we have the last uh, part. And now we go back to the official thing. And we have our wonderful this or that. (laughs) (laughs) So now I will say two assumptions or two, uh, two, one this and one that. And you say which one of them fits in on you the most. (laughs) Uh, Sex or making out? (laughs) Uh, making out? Children or pets? Pets, 100%. <laughs> Dark room or dance floor? Dark room. <laughs> seducing or being seduced?
4: Uh, seducing.
3: Feet or hands? Uh, <laughs> oh, God, that's a complex one.
4: There's only one pair of feet I adore. <laughs> feet
3: <laughs> then? Feet? Yeah, probably no, but yes. <laughs> feet. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the right feet. Yeah. Feet if it's the right feet. Okay. <laughs> A stranger or someone you already met? A stranger? Toys or hands? Toys. Eh, uh, hands. <laughs> Being watched or watching? Being watched. One person or multiple? Both. Pet play or latex? Well, latex. It's obvious this one. <laughs> <laughs> to dominate or to be dominated? None. Naked or latex? Latex. You already know that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> okay, the actual the actual last one is what's in your bag. But as you didn't bring your bag, my cock. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like if my bag consists of trousers with pockets, then it's my cock. Sorry.
4: But,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is there something you always bring with you, or do you never have a bag? Or
4: that would be also my cook
3: (laughs) So okay, so you are like that's the only thing, but it's stuck on you. So it's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no keys, no wallet, no hand cream. No, no. All right, this person doesn't need a bag. (laughs) You're not going to see him with a bag. But actually, it makes sense because as a Latex person, you don't have a bag really. like yeah, you don't have a bag,
1: and
4: then it's like, I mean, look, anything you bring in a bag to a party is only going dis- to distract you. So why would you bring it back?
3: Where do you put the money? Like you can put them all in the, inside the latex.
4: Come on, who in Berlin is bringing money to a party? They're all drinking water. <laughs> like, they, they come through the door more radioactive <gasps> than radioactive men. Like,
3: <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, no. Don't tell me anyone needs money. <laughs> Okay, okay, there we go. He's very Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very. Thank you so much, Carl. This was a big pleasure. It was so nice to have you. (laughs) Thank you so much, (laughs) family. It was really fun.